cue the fireworks, it's time for another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Uh, joining me, as always, is Mr. Fireworks himself, Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. How are you? Um, I don't think I have that same level of energy, but I'm doing, <laughs> doing pretty good. Well, we have a powerhouse guest today, so why don't you tell us who it is? Uh, we are joined um, from someone from Amazon, uh, Gianna Gadani, uh, who I believe is in charge of events. Uh, I know she's written a new book, um, potentially even a e-course. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So um, I guess we'll take a pause here and we'll have her on. Sounds good. Let's do it. Gianna, thank you so much for taking time of your busy day to join us on the podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you, Gianna. You've been doing some big things in the event space. I've been uh, seeing what you've been up to online, uh, I guess, formally in-person events, hopefully more of those again soon, uh, definitely virtual events. Uh, how did you get started in the events business in the first place? Oh boy, that's a long story. But I think like a lot of event professionals, um, I actually went to college with the intention of doing something completely different. So I was pre-med when I went to UC San Diego, but after changing my mind about that, I had to really rethink what I was passionate about. And then also what I could build into a lifelong career. Um, so I read this book that I still recommend to professionals called How to Get a Job with Any Major. Great book. And Absolutely. after going through all the exercises in the book diligently, I kind of landed on um, an events career because it, it really blended my analytical and creative and people skills. Um, and I also saw that as a career that I could really build upon. So I created a 10-year plan with the goal of eventually starting my own business. And then I just kind of took the steps towards building towards that, starting with informational interviews that led me to my first job at a DMC in San Francisco. And I actually met at that very first DMC, I met my manager who hired me at Google where I ran events for nine years. So it kind of came full circle. Amazing. Um, Johnny, you were kind enough to send me a copy of your book and uh, um, I enjoyed reading it as did my wife. My wife rarely reads the books that I do, but she saw the book and she <laughs> said, I, I want to read that. Um, just just curious, what is it that inspired you to, to write that book? There were a lot of things that inspired me. I've always been a writer. In fact, my first job uh, as a kid was I started a neighborhood newspaper and ran that for years. I actually wrote. Um, to Bill Clinton at one point and asked him just to become a subscriber. I was very ambitious as a kid, but, <laughs> um, but anyways, I love mentoring people. I love contributing to the event community. And after I had my son, it was just a lot harder to scale my time. Um, and so I saw writing a book is a really great platform to scale my reach and just to continue to build community and, um, kind of inspire the next generation of planners and really any anyone interested in creating better experiences. So that's what what got me into this project. And um, I will say it took me nine months to write the book. And it was very similar to birthing a child. Um, just like <laughs> I'm one and done with my, my child. I don't know if I'm going to write a second book, but um, I am launching an e-course. So maybe that's the next the next chapter 
forget the terrible pun. I'm I'm very curious to hear about that course. We we have a course as well, so uh, maybe maybe we'll talk about that before the show is over. But in your book, while we're on the book, you talk about the difference between generalizing and specializing. Can you talk about why you know finding a niche uh, and specializing makes sense? And can you maybe give us some examples of what you mean by that? Yeah, definitely. So. You know, there's pros and cons to being a generalist versus being a specialist. And at a high level, being a generalist means that um, you're reasonably good at a lot of different things. So generalists, um, you know, the pros to being a generalist is that you can apply more broadly for different positions. Um, you're a really great team player because you can pivot and wear a lot of hats on a team. Um and it's great if you're the type of person that tends to get bored doing one thing. So you can continuously reinvent yourself from project to project year over year. Um, now, specialists, on the other hand, might be the type that really like to dive deep in a particular area and become a subject matter expert. And that can be in anything, really. Um, in the field of events, like some examples are a creative event technologist or a contract negotiation or, or procurement manager, or even like a registration manager where that's all they do is they know the ins and outs of registration so well. Um, and I would say the benefit to being a specialist is, um, you know, you become, if there's scarcity in your field, you become highly co-vetted and you've got some job security um, as long as that job sticks around. So for instance, I know for in our industry, content strategists are so hard to come by. I don't know why that is. I rack my brain all the time, but finding a good content strategist is super, super challenging. So, um, you know, if you can find that niche where you are the go-to person, you're very hireable. Um, in fact, there's a great example. There's this gal I work with in San Francisco, and all she does is permitting in San Francisco. She knows the ins and outs of like how to block off a street in San Francisco. And literally no one else knows how to do this. Everyone goes to her. Like every agency I've talked to, every corporate planner, and she has just found the niche and that's what she does. And she is the go-to person for that. So I think there's definitely pros and cons to each, depending on what suits your personality and your needs. Well, that's super interesting. If we ever need to shut down the streets <laughs> of San Francisco, I know where where where, where to go to call. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, during the pandemic, I mean, we've we've seen a rise of I mean, virtual events. Um, I mean, they didn't start off terribly well, but. Um, from what you've seen, um, what are some tactics that make for engaging virtual events? I mean, e even after the pandemic's over, I imagine with the working from anywhere paradigm that virtual events or at least hybrid events will be part of the mainstay. Um, so mm -hmm. what do you see as being making a virtual event successful and, and engaging? That's a great question. And I think it's become even more challenging now that attendees have choices when it's there's a choice between virtual or in-person. Virtual events have to be even more compelling. Um, but I think, you know, a couple high level tips would be one, don't try to be everything that an in-person event is really lean into the value proposition for virtual, um, and like focus on those areas. So the other thing that I would say is give people an incentive to tune in. Um, and maybe you don't need people to tune in live. Maybe you can meet your objectives without a synchronous experience and that's okay. Virtual 
can play that role in an event planner's portfolio, but be super crisp on what your objectives are, what your value proposition is to attendees, and then really make sure that you're delivering that experience um, in a really elevated way. So the other thing I would say is like, um, create co-creator experiences with your attendees. Um, people really respond to like engagement tactics where they're not just listening to someone drone on or read through a PowerPoint. You also have to keep in mind that attendees are multitasking these days. So oftentimes they're listening to a podcast while folding their laundry, while, you know, doing this, that, and the other. Um, and so slide decks aren't always the most effective way to convey a message. Um, so keep that in mind and think about how you're engaging people, you know, open up with a story. I have this rule that might seem absolutely crazy to everyone out there, but encourage your speakers to only plan 20% of the content for their session and leave the other 80% open to some kind of interactive content, be that polling or chat or a debate or crowdsourced topics. Um, it just makes for a much more interesting and authentic conversation. So those are a few like very high level tactics. I guess the final one I would say is like keep content snackable, um, keep it clip, you know, keep the clip going. People don't have the attention spans that they do for in-person and even in-person events these days, I think keynotes are getting shorter. So those are my pro tips on virtual. Jen, I love that interactive idea for events. And I think about specifically virtual events, it can be really polarizing. Some people love them. Some people hate them. Uh, I have a bit of kind of a love-hate relationship as well. Like you've really kind of got to be in the mood. And I, I love the tips that you're saying here. What do you think is the advantage of, of virtual events? And where do you think they often fall short? Well, first of all, I totally agree with you. I think that there's a time and a place for both. Um, you know, I think there's the obvious things where they're going to save you on budget and they're so much more sustainable for the environment. They also are more inclusive in the sense that they democratize content and can really scale your message beyond what in-person events often can. Um, and then they can also connect global audiences that might not otherwise be able to meet. I've even done like very small CEO roundtables, like 15 people. And I've heard feedback where the CEOs will say, gosh, I wouldn't have probably ever talked to that other CEO because we live in different areas of the world. But because we came together on this Zoom, we had this great conversation. So it's not just like audiences at scale, it can be intimate, intimate audiences as well. Um, I would also say like one of their advantages is Live events are great for some people, but for other people, um, they don't feel inclusive and they aren't the best experience. So think about an introvert who, you know, might not feel comfortable networking, but if they're in a chat online, they can quickly <laughs> escape the chat just by switching to a different window, which is less awkward than having to do that in person. Or Consider someone who works during the day or is a parent and maybe can't attend a full day event, but can access on-demand content in their home when they're comfortable, when they're ready to engage with it. So I think those are some of the um, value adds of virtual. Um, they're, they're very flexible. 
Now, one of the drawbacks is obviously virtual events have no way yet. I don't know what the future holds, but they have no way yet of engaging all of the senses the way live events can. It's like, I don't know about you, but I am not smelling anything when I'm attending a virtual event. I'm not tasting anything. Um, So it's harder to create those experiential sensory experiences that all are often the kinds of events that really make a lasting impact on people from a brand perspective. Um, So I think that there's still work to go when it comes to that um, and always a place for in-person experiences that, um, you know, are just elevated and personalized in a way that virtual hasn't quite nailed yet, but who knows, could get there in the next few years. Absolutely, John. I mean, this is an area that, um, you know, uh, Christian and I, we've never had someone on the show discuss. So, I mean, that's why we're so um, looking forward to this conversation. It's just such an interesting topic. Uh, and again, just the, the answers you're beginning are just incredibly insightful. Um, I know we're running a little low on time. I think Christian has just one more question to, to bring things home. My question is something that you said earlier. I was actually trying to find information about the course that you were uh, you were going to be doing in the future. I'm really curious if you can give us any hints about what's inside that uh, black box that is the course that you're going to be releasing to the world. Sure, I'd love to. You can actually find um, an outline of the course right now on my website, giannagaudini.com slash course. Um, so you can see the overview there, but at a high level, I called million dollar event planning career. I truly believe that anyone can build a million dollar event planning career and have a blast doing it. So my course really takes you on a journey. Um, it's unlike any other event planning course in that I make it really fun. I like to say it's edutainment. It's not just training. So I really pepper it with things that are going to, you know, I like to show as much as I tell. So I include interviews with pros from the industry. So it's not just me talking the whole time. I weave tons and tons of stories from my career at Google, Amazon, and other Fortune 500 companies. Lots of great war stories. Um, I talk about how to build your career. I talk about how to be strategic. Um, I talk about tactics. There's a whole chapter on contract negotiations and becoming a contract negotiation ninja. You know, my holy grail of event planning and how to really take your events to the next level of Google quality style events. Um, And then I also include things like content strategy, virtual platforms, um, even things like diversity, equity, inclusion, sustainable planning, and event tech of the future. So it covers a lot of ground. Um, I'm hoping that everyone finds it as entertaining as I found it fun to make. And it will be launching in November. You can pre-order it now, though. Amazing. Uh, John, thank you so much for edutaining Christian and I <laughs> and our viewers and, and listeners today. That was a- just a- a- absolutely fascinating. We really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you again so much. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Krish and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Well, that was a surprisingly interesting conversation. I never knew there was so much to know about the uh, wonderful field of event planning. I had no idea. I value events. I don't have the same gift as her, but uh, to me, I mean, what stood out to me was the, the value of virtual events. So many days, I don't want to do another Zoom 
call or Teams meeting or, or Google Hangout. I'm really, you know, tired of it on the one hand. On the other hand, you can do it in the right way where it can be more inclusive and more effective and, and, and more flexible. So there's, there's my um, incentive for doing these virtual events and confidence in knowing how to do them has increased dramatically. Uh, absolutely. It was a w- wonderful conversation. And uh, if you do have the opportunity, please do check out Gianna's book as well as her e-course. Uh, you know, I think it was just really, really interesting conversation uh, into the wonderful world of, of event planning. And we want to thank Gianna again for being on the podcast today. Uh, as always, we want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers for joining us each and every week. Uh, If you have missed a previous episode, please do check back on the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page or on your favorite podcasting platform. But until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. 